The Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for this Sunday sermon of December 6th, 2020 from Christ Church, Jerusalem. As it is written in the prophets, a voice cries out in the wilderness for us to repent in preparation for the coming of God into our midst, the God who restores and immerses us into fellowship with himself. God's heart speaks tenderly to our heart to repent and to walk faithfully with him, to boldly lift our voice to declare his name. The Reverend John Howenstein, on the second Sunday of Advent, reminds us that the time between the first advent of Jesus and his second advent is filled with his presence and not his absence. We can expect him to come and speak comfort and encouragement in the midst of our difficult wilderness seasons. We can also expect him to provide opportunities for us to speak comfort and encouragement into the wilderness of others. Before we continue, thank you to all who bought t-shirts, mugs, and totes during our recent fundraiser. You raised $1,040, half of which will go to our sister ministry, Beit Emanuel, in Tel Aviv. The other half will go towards the work of Christ Church in Old City, Jerusalem. Todah Rabbah! Now, on to the lectionary readings, beginning with Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. And your Redeemer... Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and with his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. This is the word of the Lord. The portion of the Psalms appointed is verses from Psalm 85. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace 
peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. Our next reading is from the second epistle of Peter, uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel portion for the second Sunday in Advent is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Please stand as we hear the good news of the Messiah through the words of Mark. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, 
but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Oh, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A long, long time ago, when I was uh, first beginning to preach in various churches, I went to a church for the first time. And it was a, a service like our service. It used a printed liturgy, and people followed along, and appointed readings, and words that we would say back and forth. And while not even into the sermon, but just reading the liturgy, as we do this night, there was a lot of uh, enthusiasm by uh, certain people in the congregation. Good enthusiasm. And uh, they actually, you could hear them saying, oh, isn't this great? He believes the words he's saying. And then, oddly enough, from the choir, there came some disturbed voice that said, why is he doing that? We're not that kind of a church. Very, uh, very interesting. I, when we have a set of readings, I love when they connect to the words that we'll be saying together in liturgy and words that we'll be saying each week. And my favorite words from this Advent liturgy is when we come together to the Eucharist, and no matter what is going on in our lives or in our world, we will declare in that same prophetic um, spirit that the anointed John the baptizer was speaking in the wilderness. We will speak into the wilderness of our word, world, whether it's inside the actual church itself or whether it's the world about us, no matter what is going on, we will have the privilege, the responsibility to declare the Lord is here. And we'll say, lift up our hearts, which is not about a feeling. It's not whether we feel like it. It's because of the character of the Lord and because he is worthy that we'll make a decision. That's an action of repentance, of drawing close to him, of leaving those distractions which would draw us from the love of God. And we'll say, we're making that decision because the Lord is here and because of who he is, we're going to make that decision of repentance to lift up our hearts, to pay attention to him. And why do we do this? Because we live in this time between his first advent, his first coming, and his second advent, his second coming. And we want to, as we'll say at the prayer after communion, we want to be able to greet him without shame or fear when he comes. Well, I would put forward to us tonight, as we consider these readings, that the time between his first advent, two millennia ago, and his second advent, which may be tonight, it may be tomorrow, but it's going to come. This is a time filled with his presence and not with his absence. 
This is a time filled with his presence and not with his absence. And it calls for a church who is confident in its declaration that indeed the Lord is here and to step into the wildernesses around us and uh, be that voice which says, it's not about us. The king is coming and he, he will bring his glory with him and he will baptize us with his Holy Spirit, which is not a one-time event, but saying is he invites us into restored, redeemed fellowship with him. He has forgiven our sins, but that forgiveness of sins is so that we would have restored fellowship with him and that we would walk in communion with him. In the psalm tonight, that's a long, uh, several readings ago, but the last verse of the psalm describes righteousness be going before our God. He's given us a gift of our sins are, are pardoned. And it was told in the prophet Isaiah, he gives us double comfort. Comfort, comfort ye, my people. The warfare is over. We who were once enemies of God now have the door flung open to a restored relationship by the forgiveness of sin to be friends again. And to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, meaning walking into the fullness of life continually with him. Not as a one-time event, but as an ongoing filling and relationship. So that righteousness has come down as his free gift uh, and given by him. And the, the last words of Psalm 85 says, and he shall make his footsteps our pathway. Or we'll walk in his footprints. And I think, what a, a beautiful picture of what the ongoing life of repentance is. Do you ever remember as a child, or have you ever watched a child, a small child, maybe around the age of two or three or four? Once you get to be teenagers, they might not do this so much. But a small child who just adores mom, or just adores dad, or just adores you as their neighbor. Somehow, you are a giant in their lives. And by the way, small children, when you talk to them about the Lord, sometimes they have not developed to the point where they can even distinguish between the person who loves them in the name of the Lord and the Lord himself. Not idolatry, but in their developmental step, you are very much God to them. And what they want to do because they feel safe around you and because they admire you is if you're walking down the street or if you're walking in the sand or soft dirt and you're making a footprint, many, many times the child will love to play the game of literally stepping into your footprint. They delight. They just delight in that. And it says, God, as our Heavenly Father, who comes to dwell among us, will make his footprints our pathway. And I think of how many times Jesus just said, follow me. Walk in the footprint. Walk in the dust of the rabbi, of the master. And we're walking in the footprints of God himself. So, here we are on the scene down by the Jordan River in the beginning of Mark's gospel, which it says is the beginning of the good news of Messiah Jesus, the Son of God. How does it begin? 
which what might seem a strange figure to us, to our contemporary ears, but to the people of the Second Temple period, to all of a sudden have this person, John, filled with the Holy Spirit at a time when the Holy Spirit was rare. And remember, Scripture tells us in the Gospel of Luke that John was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in the womb of the Lord. So much that when uh, Mary with Jesus in her womb met Elizabeth with John in his womb, John leapt in his womb at the presence of the Lord in Mary's womb. And, and he was a figure that like, never have we seen anything like this since the prophet Elijah. Such power. Such power, and it just drew people like a magnet. He dressed like a prophet, he ate like a prophet, and he was uh, had that uh, force not from his own personality, but by a man consecrated to the living God and filled by his Holy Spirit. And it just drew people like a magnet. They were hungry and they were thirsty. They'd heard some things like this happened in centuries before, but and they waited for the consolation of Israel, but to experience it. And what was John's message? He said, it's not about me. It's not about me. I must grow more and more, and I must grow less and less, and he must grow more and more. The one who's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to do a slave's work of of untying the thongs of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he baptizes you with the very life of God himself, the fullness of God himself. He is God incarnate and the fullness of God himself and invites you into that relationship. And I'm here to go and call us away from our distractions. I'm calling us to repentance, to focus on him rather than those things which would draw us from the love of God. And so in the desert, in the place where God speaks, to his people, where he spoke to Elijah, where he spoke to Moses, where he spoke to the children of Israel and their wanderings, where he spoke to Jesus himself, takes into the desert to uh, hear God speak, and where we turn to the Lord in repentance, saying, Lord, I'm coming home to you. And what does the, and, and, uh, what is really happening here? All of a sudden, the door opens and, and uh, the people here would say, we're hearing the Bible come to life. And it wasn't the Gospels in their hand. It wasn't the Epistles in their hand. It wasn't the book of Revelation in their hand. It was the Hebrew Scriptures in their hand. And it says, this is exactly what was happening uh, from the prophet Isaiah. In John's presence, in his declaration, that God himself is coming into our midst to immerse and saturate us continually in his very life, in his very Holy Spirit. Like a familiar tune, you know, somebody hums a few bars of a, a few chords, a few notes of a beloved hymn, and all of a sudden our mind is filling in with the rest of the words. And John's appearing in the wilderness to prepare the way, and all of a sudden they're hearing the heart of God. Speak out with double comfort. Comfort ye, comfort my people. God is here. Lift up your hearts. A voice not of condemnation or accusation, but of heart speaking comfort to the beloved. It's over. The warfare is ended. The iniquity is pardoned. 
I'm a cup running over with my heart to yours. You ever, that phrase, heart to heart, deep calling to deep, heart to heart. It says the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And again, I'm inviting us, calling us this night. As John the Baptist spoke out these words to say the time has come of the first advent. That we are here tonight because someone has spoken into our wilderness. To a world that says, I didn't think we were that kind of world. Where those kind of words would matter. Or even should be spoken. Why is that church speaking like that? We're here tonight because hasn't there been someone or a multitude of someones in our life who have broken into our wilderness and all of a sudden, the words, the Lord Lord honored that. The words of scripture opened up. Our hearts were kindled within us. And all of a sudden, Bible words, church words, stained glass words, all of a sudden became life and living water to us. And he says, now carry that water out to others. Be a church that is bold to declare that. And uh, what John is saying is prepare the way. I mean, what the prophet Isaiah was saying is the glory of prepare the way because the glory of the Lord is being revealed and all flesh is going to see it. Why? Because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It hasn't happened in, 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 to uh, the original hearers yet. They're in Babylon. They're in exile. Those who lived the fall of Jerusalem, the loss of their, of their nation, the loss of Jerusalem, the loss of the temple, the glory of the God leaving the temple. But the Lord said, it's not over. It's just beginning. And so they're still in Babylon. They're still waiting but he said, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, and you can trust me, it's going to happen. You know, don't trust. Don't trust in rulers. Don't trust in politics. All these things have their place. But ultimately, our eternal hope is not going to arrive by who wins the next election or who wins the next battle or how much is in our bank account or any of those things that people think are important. It's the word of the Lord that stands forever. All the other things are the grass withering and the flower fading. It says, the voice says, what shall I cry? What do we have to say to the world? With comfort and encouragement and and, and, uh, tenderness. What good news do we have for the world? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Written. And the word of the Lord become flesh, incarnate, Jesus, the Messiah. So it says, next, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the world, behold, your God. Now, it doesn't mean that we scream loud. Maybe there's a time for that. But basically it's saying is, do we have confidence In the words of scripture, do we have confidence in the songs that we sing? Do we have confidence uh, in the words uh, in liturgy? And again, what is liturgy? It's the promises of scripture organized for worship, to remember the things that we're so prone to uh, forget in a balanced way, to remember the great declarations of the character and the work of God, especially in Jesus Christ. 
These aren't the magic words that makes God do what we want. They're the words that we forget and that he needs to speak tenderly to our heart over and over and over again. And so it's not the volume that we speak, but it's the confidence that we have. And often we're timid. And so it's saying, Lord, strengthen my heart that I would not be afraid, but that I could speak. Is it just a quiet confidence in the Lord who loves me to a world who doesn't real often want to hear it? Again, why are they speaking like that? Don't they know we're not that kind of world? That's not cool. That's not popular. That's not relevant. Well, speak it. Behold, this is our God. And then Isaiah closes with where it starts, the heart of God. It's the heart of God that's saying, comfort, comfort my people, speaking tenderly to our hearts. And it talks about this God that is, behold, your Lord. Okay, here's the God who's coming. Behold, the Lord has a strong hand. Now, right away, I think about to a little friend that I had, oh, many, many years ago. And uh, she was learning the song, Jesus Loves Me. And hopefully we know how it goes. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is. And she stopped right there. She forgot the words. Now, if you're three years old, what might be important about a big God who's coming? The words are, we are weak, but he is strong. But everyone in that little girl's life was strong, especially her big sister, who proved it many a time to causing a lot of fights and tears. Mom was strong. Dad was strong. The dog was strong. The cat was strong. Everybody's strong. So as she fought for what might be in, in her mind, in her heart, what might be important? <sighs> we are weak, but he is friendly. So here's this strong God. Behold the Lord. He's here with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. But he will lead his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in that strong arm. It's what we do with strength. With his strength, he stretches out his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross so that everyone could come within his saving embrace. His strength is shown in his having mercy. And as it says in 2 Peter tonight, he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. His strength is shown in his salvation. And it says that he gathers us up as his lambs into those strong arms and he carries them next to his heart. It says some translations in his bosom, but I love the ones that says next to his heart. Because if you're a lamb in the heart and the bosom of the shepherd next to his heart, what do you hear? Boom, 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 boom. The heart that's pumping that blood to those strong arms 
The same heart that spoke tenderness, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Now we're hearing that heart beat. And we're learning to trust as his lamb, the shepherd. And what we want, and what the Lord wants to give us, is that our hearts would break for what his heart breaks for. Our hearts would love what his heart loves. Our hearts would uh, suffer for the injustice that his heart and suffers for the injustice for. Our heart would have a love for one another that our heart can't give us, but his heart formed within us has to give us. Our heart would rejoice what his heart rejoices for, but basically he would form in us his own heart by his own Holy Spirit. And once we have that, we're able to step into those wildernesses of one another's lives and intercede, praying the very prayers of the heart of God. Or as it says in Scripture, we don't even know how to pray as we ought, but his Holy Spirit within us, in those groans and agonies, prays God's own prayers. So it's the very life and spirit of God flowing through us that steps into the wilderness of one another with hope. Not because we have good advice or we're nice people, but because we bear the heart and the Holy Spirit of God himself. Now I want to close with just a, a story from my own life to say this is not just for us as believers to take out into an unbelieving world. It is that, but sometimes we need this as believers. Remember, when God was speaking comfort, double comfort to uh, uh, the, um, uh, the, his people in the Old Testament, he was speaking to his people who had strayed and who had failed and were broken and were without hope. But so sometimes in our own journeys as disciples, we need, we need that encouragement. And the way the Lord works, he says, there's some things I can do, but I'm also calling you to do it with me, to intercede with me, to take time for one another, to make that space for one another, to be my hands and my feet. But I was nine years old. And uh, yeah, I haven't thought about this probably in the past 40 years, maybe, in my life. But this week, all of a sudden, my mind is flooded with his memory. I'm nine years old, and I'd gone through one of the worst traumas that, uh, uh, that happened in my life. Uh, my parents... My, my father walked out of our lives, and uh, my parents were divorced. And uh, all of a sudden, I began to resonate with those scriptures of God cares for the widowed and the orphan. I technically wasn't orphaned, and my mother wasn't a widow, but basically, we were in a pretty helpless shape. And, uh, and by the way, don't let people tell you, eh, they're young, they'll get over it. No, they don't. God has to heal it. So we moved back to the town where on one end of a street, literally just a block away, one end of the street, my father's parents lived, and the other end of the street, my other grandmother lived, my mother's mother. And so at least it was good news that I could walk back and forth uh, on this little tiny street, back and forth between my grandparents' house. But uh, I was pretty... Pretty, well, yeah, I was wounded. I was wounded. I was broken. I was a believer. I know in the Lord, 
since the time I could remember. You know, love, you know, went to sleep every night with my mother praying with me, reading Bible stories. I mean, I just, so the Lord was part of my life deeply. But once that trauma came, all of a sudden, it was very confusing and very far away. It sort of went back to church words. It was trauma. Walking back and forth on that little street, I had to pass. It was a, by the way, it was a tiny town, a couple hundred people, maybe a thousand. And it was a poor town. Our family did pretty well compared to the rest of the town. But I had to walk back and forth in, in, uh, in, by the backyard where all the people hung their laundry and burnt their trash of the poorest people in town, the poorest family. They had lots of children. And it seemed like the, uh, the woman, the mother of the family, spent all of her time just washing clothes and chasing a lot of the kids. And, um, but it was also maybe the richest family in town. Because what they always had time for was to welcome the children of the neighborhood into their home to share the Lord with them. At times, the family would make uh, little figurines out of plaster the children could paint. And they'd invite the kids, hey, come by. It's Christmas time. Here is Joseph and Mary and Jesus in the crash. Take some. And here's some paint. Paint something, you know, for your house. And so, or some, sometimes like, oh, I just made some cookies going past. Here, I put them in little bags. Would you want? They always had plenty to be generous. And it was always finding some way to lift up the Lord. Well, they had what was called a good news club. And uh, you'd go in there one day a week, maybe two days a week, between the time you get out of school and supper, and we would sing songs and we would make crafts and would we, uh, you know, uh, have some snacks and uh, hear a short Bible stories. And it was like I, the rest of the week I was swimming in a sewer underwater and then I came up for fresh air. It was, a, it was the presence of the Lord. It was heaven for me. It was a good place to be. It was a voice crying in the wilderness. Your God is coming. Your God is here. You can trust him. Johnny. Lift up your heart. Make some decisions. Make some decisions. Lift up your heart. You can trust him. It hurts, but he's here. They had a Bible camp they introduced us to. I went for the first week. I mean, for the first year. Went one week for the first year. The next year, I went for two weeks. The third year, I went for three weeks. And then I was too old to go to the camp. (laughs) But... I was in a wilderness, even as a young believer. And uh, it was words of comfort. It was words of strength. And I was able to know again, behold, God lives, not just in church words, but in reality. I wanted to share that story for two reasons. One is because... the. It was given to me this past week just to remember it after 40 years of forgetting about it, or 20 years of forgetting about it. 
just to honor and give thanks for the um, faithfulness and the courage of that poorest family in town who made all the children and families in the neighborhood very, very rich in the Lord for a lifetime. And then also as a reminder to say, as uh, this is a time between the Lord's first coming and his second coming, not filled with his absence, but filled with his presence. And he's already two steps ahead of us, preparing those things that he wants us to walk in. There's people he wants us to meet, situations he wants us to go into, and to be bold and courageous, and to say the Lord is here. And make that decision to lift our hearts up to the Lord and be fed at his table, but then to go forth and uh, to be courageous. And because he is with us, to have those conversations, to spend time with those people, to pray those prayers, and to go and get close to the heart of the Lord, of the shepherd, and hear his heart for the world, and go forth in faithfulness to be his hands and feet. Let us pray. The Lord grant us the grace to arise and shine, for your glory has dawned upon us. Yes, darkness does cover the land. Deep gloom shrouds our world, and sometimes even in our church. But over us, you have come. And we have beheld your glory. And now, Lord, we thank you that we can go forth and to give your light and to give your life in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our nations, and in our world. Lord, grant us strength. Grant us courage to go to those places that you've already prepared for us to walk in. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.